Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our gospel reading from the gospel of Matthew chapter 16. And maybe we'll start with verse 3 of the hymn that we just sang. Go then, earthly fame and treasure, come disaster, scorn, and pain. In your service, pain is pleasure, with your favor, loss is gain. Happy Sunday, right? Like, no thanks, no thanks. I don't want a life of um, muddling through and, and making a decent living and having a peaceful life of relatively decent health and living, you know, a decently long life that I can enjoy. No, give me disaster, scorn, pain. I don't even want any friends. Have them all turn their backs on me because, you know what? I've, at least I've got Jesus. And it's almost, it almost sounds like that. It almost sounds like that. If you sing verse 3, and it probably snuck up on you when you get through the first phrase and then the second phrase and you're scratching your head, am I sure? Is this what I want? Is this, is this the Jesus that I want? That I don't want, it, it's totally fine with me if I have nothing good in this life. As long as I have this Jesus, at least I have this Jesus. And the issue that Jesus talks about is one that people have wrestled with for as long as evil has been in the world. The issue that Jesus talks about is one that people have wrestled with for as long as sin has been in the world, as this world groans under the pain of sin, as people have disaster happen to them for no apparent reason, as people have their lives impacted um, either personally or in a broader family arrangement, impacted by disaster, dis disease, scorn, warfare, you name it. But then it's a different thing entirely to sing it. Come disaster, scorn and pain. And that's what Jesus says when he's talking about this in our gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 16. He's talking about this one incredibly personal issue. The issue of why do things happen as they do? Sometimes phrased as, why do bad things happen to good people? And that's even embedded and in, woven into the way that we talk. Well, you know, she was, she was somebody who just had everything together. Such a wonderful person, and why? when she had so much life ahead of her, so, much, so many people depending on her, why her at that age? And you think of it, and whether it is something um, extreme, something that would make the headlines of your life, something that is kind of ingrained in your, in your memory as, as a point on the timeline, because you remember where you were when you heard, you remember what you were doing, when the news came. And that's a little bit of what Jesus is talking about today. The first thing that he's really talking about is um, right on the heels of last week, where Jesus had asked his disciples, who do the crowd say that I am? Who do the crowd say that I am? Some say um, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Some say John the Baptist, back from the dead. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that confession asserts a truth 
That confession asserts a truth that doesn't just apply to them, but extends into eternity. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Which means that every other God and every other um, Messiah is one who doesn't measure up, is one who is at best an imposter, at worst an idol. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then this week, if you would follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me. And Jesus begins to teach this way. And what Jesus says here is right on the heels of that confession last week, and it's the exact same idea, that if Jesus is who he says he is, then Jesus is worth it. That if Jesus is who he says he is, then your confession is worth the effort. And, consequently, if Jesus is who he says he is, then any amount of suffering that comes as a result of your Christian faith is worth it. Those two ideas have to go hand in hand. On the one hand, from last week, if Jesus is who he says he is, then your confession is worth it. Your confession of, this I believe, and so therefore I speak. Your confession of, this is what I believe, and so this is how I will act. And this week, if Jesus is who he says he is, then any suffering that comes from following him is worth it. Because what Jesus is talking about here, he's not just talking about the, the abject, um, you know, normal suffering that people might experience in life. That comes a little bit later. But he's talking specifically, he's talking specifically about holding to this biblical truth and experiencing the rejection because of it. Holding to this biblical truth and experiencing, whether it's rejection or outright persecution or something more subtle, because of it. That the suffering comes in connection with his name and his cross. And so the question, whether it is stated in the, in the positive, come disaster, scorn, and pain, or we flip it around to the negative, thinking of your own life, Do we sing? Come disaster, scorn, and pain, go away, all other earthly blessings, I've got Jesus. Or in the negative, thinking of your own life, do you look around and you realize, well, you know, my neighbors, my family, they know I'm Christian and they know where I stand. But as long as I keep my mouth shut, they'll still invite me to Thanksgiving. Because at some point, that's where the rubber hits the road, right? As long as I keep my mouth shut, then the kids will um, be sure to come and visit and let me see the grandkids. As long as I keep my, my beliefs to myself just a little bit more, then we're all on good terms and there's nothing to worry about and my family says, will smile at me and I'll smile at them and we'll, we'll all pretend that everything's fine, right? <laughs> Go disaster, or come disaster, scorn and pain, hence all earthly wealth. I've got Jesus. And what we don't want to do is separate this idea of suffering from the idea of your confession. We don't want to separate uh, Matthew 16, verses 21 through 26 from Matthew 16, verses 15 to 21, which was last week, that the two need to be knit together 
that your confession is your confession. That your confession is, this is what I believe. And so this is where I will speak up. And you and I know that we don't speak up in order to simply win the argument, because if that's the point, then you might as well get into politics instead of faith. But we speak up because this Jesus is worth it. And we speak up and we hold to this as our confession in what we do and in what we say, because this Jesus and his word is true and extends into eternity. That's really the baseline assertion here in, um, in Matthew chapter 16. Who do, who do the crowd say that I am, but who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Which means that everybody else is an imposter or idolater. And as a result, because you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he goes on to say, Well, if you want to be my follower, then come follow me, but I'm going to a cross. And that is unpleasant. It's uncomfortable to think of. Him going to a cross, because when we look at the way people talk about um, evil, and the way that literature has been written about evil, and we see that, okay, it, it looks so often that people talk like they are stuck. And then the gods are up there and they don't care. And every other religion in the world says, all right, you're on your own, dear human. <laughs> Live your best life. If things have turned out poorly for you, then you deserved it. Take Hinduism, for instance. If things have turned out poorly for you in this life, that means that in a previous life, in a previous life, you must have done something very, very wrong. And so now, if something happens to you that is not good, well, you're just getting your karma. You're getting what goes around and comes around. And that idea, that idea is so utterly foreign to a Savior who goes to a cross. Do you see that? That he's got all power and all authority that he isn't helpless against sin. He's not helpless against the devil, that the demons run screaming when his shadow shows up. But he says that I am going to a cross. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, be killed, and on the third day be raised again. And this is the Jesus who has just heard your confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and now he says, follow me. And up ahead looms Calvary. And after that is the resurrection tomb. And he says, follow me. And don't leave your confession behind as if, um, as if it's only a personal matter. <laughs> as if, you know, the lie that we don't talk about, um, don't talk about spiritual matters because it's just such a personal thing and you have your truth and I have mine. No, absolutely not. What Jesus asserts in Matthew 16 is that his truth and his word applies to all people of all time and that this is yours. And holding on to him and holding on to his word means walking along behind him. And as a result of walking along behind Jesus, his cross is yours too. Not the, I mean, not the same cross, 
His cross is what he used to pay for the sins of the world. But as a Christian, there at that baptismal font, we were marked with the sign of the cross both upon the head and upon the heart. At the beginning and the end of the worship service, we begin and end in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is the sign of a cross. That if, that if Christianity wanted to polish up their image, they could have chosen a far better image than a cross, an instrument of torture, crucifixion, execution, and death. But Jesus says, this is the cross that marks your life too, and it's a joy. We're not talking about um, you know, Jesus just saying, all right, find joy in your pain. And we're not talking about Jesus saying, follow me so that you can um, eventually find joy in this. And, and if you're not having fun, then you weren't suffering hard enough. But what we mean is that his cross has changed your life. His cross has meant your confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. His cross means that that confession is true. And his cross means that, yes, he had forecast his death. And he raised himself from the dead. And he says, you know what? You know what my Christians need most? Obviously, yes, you need to know that you have a God who cares for you. And he proved it by taking your sin upon himself. And you need to know that this God who cares for you is powerful enough to, um, to bring that care into your life. And he proved that almighty power in his resurrection from the dead, and he brought it into your life through his sacrament of holy baptism or through the word that you now hear. And we need those. We need to know that we have a God who cares for us. A God who is powerful to bring that care into our lives. But then we need to know that we have a God who understands suffering. And look through the pages of scripture, and he does. But he understands it in such a way that he says, you know what? He cares about you so much that he doesn't want to remove suffering from your life. But he wants to, in a sense, sanctify your suffering and set it apart so that he can use that suffering, whatever it may be, big, small, internal, external, um, family or stranger, so that he can use that circumstance to lead you to give up on your own powers and turn back to the pages of Scripture. And so, the verse 3, come disaster, scorn, and pain, it looks, it looks a little strange. And it will. It will, especially for as, as many voices that you have preaching into your life from you know, television or other media. They all say you've got to live your best life now. You have to find some way to get what's yours. You have to find some way to get even. You have to find some way to make it right. And among all those voices, sweep them aside. For the one who says, come follow me. Because that's your confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That you have a God who, who cares for you in his cross. Who demonstrates his power in his resurrection. And he's brought that into your life through your baptism. And now he says, dear Christian, you know where I'm walking? Cross and then crown. Follow me. Amen. Amen.